are the Rookie Phenoms. We have an amazing show for you today. I'm your host, Coop, without my main man, Webb. Webb will be joining us at the end of the show for a breakdown of the Aaron Rodgers trade request and for a really interesting interview with Alan Sliwa of the Lakers pre and post game. He's on ESPN Los Angeles. Just a great guy to follow for all things Laker related. I am recording this at 1.20 in the morning. I am going to break down the NFL draft round one for you. And then I am going to give you a round two mock draft. We're going to go over winners and losers from round one. The picks I got right. The best players that are still available. And then the mock draft. So lots of stuff coming on this show. I am obviously a shameless self-promoter. So I am going to tell you guys the picks I got right first. I got 10 correct picks in this draft. I think the best media person last year got nine, so I'm pretty proud of myself here. I got the first three picks right. Trevor Lawrence, Jacksonville, Zach Wilson to the Jets, and I had Trey Lance to San Francisco. I then had Patrick Sertain being taken with the ninth pick overall. I had Micah Parsons being taken with the 12th pick. I had Elijah Vera Tucker being taken with the 14th pick. I then had Quiddy Pay being taken 21 by Indianapolis. Caleb Fairley being taken 22 by Tennessee. I had Jacksonville taking Travis Etienne at 25. And my last correct pick of the evening was Buffalo taking Gregory Gregory Rousseau at 30. So I think I did a great job. Webb uh, did not do so good, but that is not surprising to anybody. Everyone was curious where the quarterbacks were going to go after the first two picks. Trey Lance went number three to San Francisco. Chicago traded up from number 20 to number 11 with the New York Giants to take Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio State. This was my number two quarterback in the draft. I love Justin Fields. They gave a first round pick next year and a fourth this next year. And this year they only swapped and then gave up a fifth round pick. So the cost wasn't that high to get a future franchise superstar. I love the move for Chicago. New England stayed put and took Mac Jones at 15. Five quarterbacks went in the top 15. That is insane to me. It pushed a lot of other talent down, so a lot of teams got players they shouldn't have. There was a lot of interest in this draft where the receivers would go. People thought there were three elite receivers, and then as many as five could go in the first round. Five did go in the first round. The order kind of shocking. Cincinnati took the first one at number five in Jamar Chase. Miami at pick six took Jalen Waddle, the receiver from Alabama, ahead of the Heisman winner, Devontae Smith, who I thought they would have taken. Philly traded up from Dallas from 12 to 10 to take Devontae Smith. I love this move for Philly. So the three top guys went in the top 10. After that, we had kind of a surprisor. Kadarius Toney went number 20 to the New York Giants, who traded down from 10, I'm sorry, 11. And then Rashad Bateman went 27 to Baltimore, took him right before the Green Bay Packers could take him at 29. Now I'm going to get to the winners and losers of this draft. 
Jacksonville's my first winner. They got Trevor Lawrence, the best quarterback prospect in almost a decade. I love taking him. It's the only move to do. But they're kind of a loser because they took Travis Etienne at 25. James Robinson, their starting running back now, is really good. He was undrafted. Urban Meyer said they're still planning on using James Robinson next year. And that Etienne's going to be their third down back. I don't understand using a first round pick on a third down back. I like Etienne the player. I don't like how he's going to be used. And I don't like the value. It just doesn't work for me. Another winner was the Chicago Bears. Trading up to get Justin Fields. They traded up from 20 to 11 to get their guy. I love when teams are aggressive if they believe in a quarterback. The cost wasn't even that high. A first next year, a fifth this year, and a future fourth. Honestly, very reasonable price to get move up that high. Chicago has their guy. Andy Dalton was not the answer. I think Matt Nagy may not be around to enjoy Justin Fields the quarterback because he's going to get fired. But I love the move by Chicago. Minnesota trading down from 14 and still getting my number two left tackle is a steal. Christian Derrissaw, I loved him. If Sewell had went five to Cincinnati like I thought he would. If Detroit had taken Derrissaw at seven, I would have been totally fine with that. To move down from 14 to 23 and still get a left tackle is amazing. He is the second best left tackle in this class. Minnesota desperately needs help on the offensive line. Just a great move by them. Baltimore was a huge winner in this draft. Rashad Bateman at 27, great value. They stole him from Green Bay, who wanted him at 29, allegedly. Lamar needs help. Lamar is not the most accurate quarterback, but he's building it. Bateman catches everything thrown in his direction. He is the kind of guy that the Ravens just don't have right now. They have speed guys. He is a possession receiver. I love the move by Baltimore. And unfortunately, my last winner are the New England Patriots. I love Mac Jones. New England did not get nervous by the trade talk of having to move up. They stayed put at 15 and got their guy. I truly think that Mac Jones will have a better year next year than Zach Wilson. Jets, Jets fans are going to be furious about this, but I really think it's true. I just... The Patriots outsmarted everybody. They made people think they were going to come up for fields the whole time when Mac was their guy. Belichick and Saban are best friends. Their football connection runs deep. Belichick trusts Saban. Saban told him Mac Jones will be a good NFL player, and Belichick believed him. Made the pick at 15. I love the move. Now, unfortunately for some teams, there were some moves I did not like very much. Some gigantic losers, really. The Las Vegas Raiders, everyone predicted they were going to mess this up, and of course they messed this up. They took Alex Leatherwood, who is an interesting player, but he was more of a second-round guy. The value wasn't right. He, I don't think he could play left tackle, and the Raiders just paid their left tackle, so he's going to be their right tackle. Tevin Jenkins is still on the board, a much better prospect. Mean, nasty guy, who I think fits what the Raiders want to do perfectly. I don't understand this move. The Raiders always overdraft players by like 30 picks. They did it last year for Damon Arnett in the first round. They did it again here. John Gruden can't get out of his own way. It's what he does. The Pittsburgh Steelers were a loser. 
Uh, you can't run the ball if your offensive line is trash, and this line is trash. Najee Harris is my number one running back. This is not criticism of him, but taking a running back in round one is almost never a good idea. And they have no offensive line. Like, they have nothing. How can he get yards if there is nothing, no one's blocking for him? I don't understand the thought here. There were offensive linemen they could have taken. They chose not to. I just, I don't get what Pittsburgh's doing. The New Orleans Saints were a loser to me. Uh, there was talk they wanted to trade up all week. They could not get in the top 10 for their guy. It seems they got desperate. Uh, they lost the pass rusher in Trey Hendrickson. They took Peyton Turner in round one, the guy from Houston. He's a huge human being. But I don't see the uh, the pass rush maturity to contribute right away. I'm, not, I'm just not sure what he's going to do this season for them. He could develop. The Saints are great at developing pass rushers, but... I think the Saints got nervous and just reached. I I don't love the move. And my last loser. And a loser forever in my books. The Green Bay Packers. It took Eric Stokes. A player who was interesting. Freak athlete. But the Packers need weapons. Aaron Rodgers is furious. And they just don't care. They keep spitting in his face. Over the last 11 years, the Packers have taken... 10 defenders in round one, and Jordan Love. I hate this team forever. I don't know I don't know why they hate Aaron Rodgers. This guy won them a Super Bowl. He won the MVP last year. And they just want to push him out the door. I don't understand what they're doing. It is so stupid. If this team had a typical owner structure with one guy at the top, the GM would have been fired already. This would have been taken care of. Unfortunately, they don't have that. They have a commission. So their GM can just keep messing things up with an all-time great quarterback and he keeps his job. Must be great to work in Green Bay. I know a lot of the fans out there are not happy with what their team did in round one. They want to know how their team can improve in round two. So that is what this part of the show is going to be. The best available players that are still left on the board. My number one guy left, Tevin Jenkins, tackle from Oklahoma State. Mean, nasty right tackle. I would have. I think I had him going in the top 20 in my original mock draft. I think at 14. This fall is shocking to me. I think he's going to be off the board very quickly. He's a starting right tackle immediately. Uh, Landon Dickerson, uh, center from Alabama. I think he's the best interior offensive lineman in the draft. He fell because of serious injury concerns that should not be overlooked. But just the talent. He could, He's a Pro Bowl center immediately. That's how good he is. Christian Barmore, a defensive tackle from Alabama as well. He dominated the championship game. Uh, he has attitude concerns and did not do well at his pro day. The tape is excellent over the second half of the last season, though. First half, he didn't really perform too well. But if a team can get him to buy into the system and perform hard every play, he could be an elite defensive tackle in football. Okay, Liam Eichenberg, a tackle from Notre Dame. I thought he was a round one tackle, but he does have short arms. And you need 33-inch arms, they say, to play tackle and left tackle in the NFL. His were just under that. I think this scared teams off. He may have to play guard at the next level. I think he can play tackle, but it seems the NFL does not agree with me. Uh, Terrence Marshall, uh, junior wide receiver from LSU. Big-time athlete, big-body receiver. I think he's a possession guy, great number two receiver. 
I think he comes off the board pretty quickly. Uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, linebacker slash safety from Notre Dame. He fell because people don't know what position he's going to play. Safety, linebacker. Isaiah Simmons was in a similar boat last year. He went top 10. He did not do very well this season. I think that scared teams away of they're not sure the role he's going to play. Just put him on defense. He's a playmaker. He's a weapon. He'll make your team better. Uh, Trevon Morig, safety from TCU. Many people's best safety in the draft. I tried telling everyone that safeties aren't valued anymore like this. He was never going to go around one. No safety was going to go around one anymore. He's a very good player. I think he gets called pretty early, but the need at safety just isn't as big. And my last guy on the best players available still, Aziz Ojulari, defensive end from Georgia. Kind of a tweener pass rusher. I think he needs to go to a specific team. If he goes to a certain team that plays a certain style, he can be very effective. He could easily be a 10-sack guy. He just needs to be in the right system. If a team takes him that doesn't use him correctly, he could be out of the league in four years. That's definitely possible. Now let's get to what everyone came here for. The round two mock draft. I love doing these. I look forward to them on different podcasts and websites every year. And now I'm giving you guys one. 33, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Pratt Fearmouth, tight end, Penn State. A young quarterback's best friend is a tight end. Jacksonville has nothing at the position right now. This is a huge help for Trevor Lawrence. 34, the New York Jets. Javante Williams, running back, North Carolina. They have no juice at running back. This guy has elite, elite potential. I think he could be a real superstar. 35, Atlanta. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. He fits what Atlanta wants to do on the defensive side of the ball. Playmaker, just a weapon. Pitts and Owusu-Koromoa will be an excellent, excellent draffle. Okay, 36, Miami. Taking Tevin Jenkins. Tackle, Oklahoma State. If Miami had taken Tevin with their second pick in the first round at 18, I wouldn't have been angry at all. I would have loved it. So getting him here is just incredible value. He could be Tua's right-hand man for a long time. At 37, Philadelphia. Trevon Morig, safety TCU. This team needs defensive backs so badly. Best safety in the class immediately gives them some help in the back end. 38, Cincinnati. Christian Barmore, defensive tackle, Alabama. They have no pass rush on the inside. Barmore has huge talent if they can get it out of him. Cincinnati has proven that they are willing to take guys that are kind of risky and hope for the best. I think this could actually really help him. Okay, 39, Carolina. Wyatt Davis, offensive guard, Ohio State. Monster of a guard, protects Sam Darnold at all costs. I wanted them to take a tackle in round one. I think upgrading the line is a must-do. I could see him playing right away. 40, Denver, Landon Dickerson, center, Alabama. Denver needs an elite center. Great value. He can be an immediate pro bowler. Really helped Drew Locke develop. 41, Detroit, Terrence Marshall Jr., receiver, LSU. This guy could be a great number two receiver. They still need the number one guy, but this is at least a start. Detroit can function on offense with him on, with him in the fold. Pick 42, the New York Giants. Aziz Ojolari, defensive end, Georgia. He fits the Giants scheme very well. Joe Judge will love having this chess piece to move around. I think this is one of the systems that Aziz can actually really thrive in the NFL, so I'd love this move for them. 
San Francisco, 43. Asante Samuel Jr., cornerback, Florida State. This guy has NFL bloodlines. Dad was a player and a really good player. San Fran has a huge need at corner now. They did not bring back Richard Sherman. I think Asante is a really feisty player who will fit in great in that San Fran locker room. Number 44, Dallas. Samuel Cosme, offensive tackle, Texas. Keep this guy in state. They need O-line help. Cosme can play left tackle if their tackle is hurt again, or he can play guard if everyone is healthy. Number 45, Jacksonville. Levi Onwazariku, defensive tackle, Washington. They have nothing at defensive tackle. This guy is a serious run stuffer, and they need that playing in the AFC South. 46, New England. Elijah Moore, wide receiver, Mississippi. Apparently the Pats were interested in Waddle if he fell. Moore is a weapon, undersized, but a great playmaker. I think he fits in well with what the Patriots are trying to do on offense. 47, LA Chargers. Rondale Moore, wide receiver, Purdue. Herbert needs a deep threat. One of the fastest players in this class. Undersized, but an explosive downfield threat. I think him and Herbert could have a great connection. 48, LA Raiders. Nick Bolton, linebacker, Missouri. The Raiders don't really have any bodies at linebacker right now. This gives some excitement. I don't really have Bolton this high, but the Raiders draft guys way too early, so I think this is likely what's going to happen. 49, Arizona. Liam Eikenberg, offensive tackle, Notre Dame. If they draft him here, he's going to move inside to guard. I think he can still play tackle, but the, the Cardinals need guard help. He can be a good one. The fit makes sense. The value here is really, really good. Number 50, Miami. Creed Humphrey, center, Oklahoma. Lefty center for the lefty quarterback. With this rebuilt offensive line and these weapons, Tua can have no excuses. He better dominate now. 51, Washington. Jalen Mayfield, offensive tackle, Michigan. Huge upside here. True left tackle prospect. They have a huge need. Uh, this guy could have been a first-round pick. He didn't test very well. I think he's going to play hard for Ron Rivera, and I see this being a good pick for them. 52, Chicago. Dynamy Brown, wide receiver, North Carolina. Give Fields weapons. Allen Robinson wants out. You've been trying to trade your number two receiver for months. Uh, Dynamy has just gigantic upside. Fields throws one of the best deep balls that's going to be in the league next year. Give a guy to throw it to. 53, Tennessee. Dylan Raddins tackled North Dakota. They have holes all over the O-line. Raddins can play on the right side at tackle or guard. I think he's probably going to play right guard, but the fit works. 54, Indianapolis. Walker Little, offensive tackle, Stanford. If he had played the last two years, he would have been a top 10 pick. Injury concerns are real, but the talent is amazing. I'm kind of surprised. If he's still here, I'd be very surprised. 55, Pittsburgh. Quinn Miner, center guard prospect from Wisconsin Whitewater. I, like I said earlier, they need help everywhere on the offensive line. He could play center. He could play guard. Really small school prospect who dominated the Senior Bowl. People thought he might not go drafted before the Senior Bowl. Now he's a second-round pick, which is really impressive. Number 56, Seattle. Tyson Campbell, quarter cornerback, Georgia. Seattle has a huge need at corner. This guy has all the physical tools, ran a 4-3. He needs to be coached up, but that's what Seattle does best. 
they build amazing defensive backs in Seattle. So I love this fit. 57, the LA Rams. Joseph Asai, defensive end, Texas. Great prospects. They need help rushing the passer. Aaron Donald can't do it all by himself. I've never been a huge Leonard Floyd guy. This guy has serious juice. He could be excellent. They should cut Leonard Floyd. Let's got, let this guy take over. 58, Kansas City. Efetu Melawanfu, cornerback, Syracuse. KC can go a bunch of different ways here, but I think improving the secondary is something they have to do. This guy has great size, good ball skills. I think the fit works pretty well. 59, Cleveland. Carlos Basham, defensive end, Wake Forest. Really good player. I think he could be gone much sooner than this. Cleveland signed Clowney. It's a one-year deal. He can sit behind him, take over in year two. Number 60, New Orleans. Big shocker here. I have the next quarterback going off the board. Kellen Mond, Texas A&M. I don't think Sean Payton loves Jameis as a quarterback. This guy has all the physical tools. He could sit for a year, take over year two. Kellen Mond could be an elite quarterback if he gets some things under control. 61, Buffalo. Amon Ross St. Brown, wide receiver USC. This team doesn't have very many needs. I just really like the player and the fit. He can run a lot of underneath routes. Great on slants. I think him and Josh Allen will have a great connection. Number 62, Green Bay. Amari Rodgers, receiver, Clemson. Very solid slot receiver. Give Rodgers something, please. I I don't think they're going to do this. Just spit in his face some more. But I think this kind of player could fit in really well in their system. 63, Kansas City. Stone Forsyth, right tackle, Florida. This guy is a massive human being. Played the left side in college, probably has to play the right in the NFL. Orlando Brown is the biggest left tackle in football. And now they're going to have one of the biggest right tackles as well. Uh, if you can't get, if you can't run past them, you can't sack Patrick Mahomes. I think the fit makes a lot of sense. And with the last pick of Coop's second round mock draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take Aleem McNeil, defensive tackle, North Carolina State. This team doesn't have a lot of needs. Dominican Sue is getting older, only signed a one-year contract to return. McNeil could play in uh, third down situations, great run stuffer, and take over in a year when Sue moves on. So that is my full second round mock draft. Right now we're going to get to a conversation Webb and I had about Aaron Rodgers being traded. Webb and I, of course, disagreed, and this is a conversation you do not want to miss. Okay, everybody, we have been covering the draft like crazy, but some more things have happened in the NFL today. Aaron Rodgers has informed Green Bay he will not be returning to the team, according to Adam Schefter. Three high-level team executives have flown to see Aaron Rodgers to try and change his mind to bring him back. These have not worked. He still wants out. According to Trey Wingo, Aaron Rodgers wants Green Bay to accept the San Francisco trade offer, which would include the number three overall pick and players. Webb, I told you Aaron Rodgers wanted out of Green Bay a year ago. You called me crazy. Am I still crazy? Uh, it's hard. Are you still crazy? Well, today, no, you don't look crazy. But a year ago, yes, you looked crazy. So I think things have happened over the past couple of months behind the scenes that made it really untenable for 
these guys to get along. So sure, I'll say you're not crazy. So this all started, allegedly, from when the Packers drafted Jordan Love in the first round last year and they traded up to get him. This wasn't, oh, he fell to us, we couldn't say no. This was, we don't want you anymore, Aaron Rodgers. We're pushing you out the door. Do you think that was the right call looking back? Honestly, so I'm not, obviously we're not plugged into the, the Packers brass or Aaron Rodgers camp. That started to sour the relationship. I don't think that today or this week, whenever Aaron Rodgers told the brass that he didn't want to be part of the Packers organization anymore, I don't know how big of a, a reason that was now. I think other things since then have snowballed, piled up, and compounded the issue. But I don't know if now that's still the main issue. I think you underestimate how petty Aaron Rodgers is. Aaron Rodgers, after the draft, before the draft, when he was drafted, said, how disappointed are you the San Francisco 49ers didn't draft you? And his response was, not as disappointed as they will be. This dude is born petty. He is the pettiest person in the NBA, NFL. He hates the Packers now because of Jordan Love. That's the whole reason. And he was right in terms of, you know, showing the, the 49ers and other teams that passed on him uh, just how sorry they would be. Apparently, he is interested in going to the Rams, 49ers, or Denver. He wants to live on the West Coast again. Apparently, the Rams called before they traded for Matt Stafford. The 49ers called Wednesday night. They did not offer the third pick, but apparently that's the one in play. Do you think the Packers actually trade Aaron Rodgers? No, I do not. And the reason why I say that is not it's not a Deshaun Watson situation where you and I have said that Deshaun Watson has no leverage. Aaron Rodgers has all the leverage or the majority of the leverage in this situation. Um, at least to not come back. So I think it's just that this is sort of a bargaining chip for Aaron Rodgers. I think the 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 contract talks uh, stalled, and you know they weren't moving along, progressing quickly enough. And um, they wanted him to restructure the deal. He wanted to get an extension. He deserves an extension. Won the MVP. He had a he balled out this season and. Um, I honestly think they'll, they'll come together. I don't see why you would trade this guy. He's a franchise quarterback, even at age 37. So I think that he asked for the extension to see where the Packers were. The Jordan Love up. thing The Jordan Love thing is the beginning of this. But he was like, you know what? If they pay me still, then that was just one mistake. But they're saying, no, we're not going to extend you. We're not guaranteeing any more money for you. This is the end. So, I'm not sure if he, if he gets traded. But I'm willing to bet he never plays another down for the Packers. That's over. He's not coming back. So I think I think he will come back, provided that the Packers give him what he wants. Like I think this is kind of like a wake up call to the Packers to stop screwing around. I agree with you that who knows? I don't know if the Jordan Love thing was the start of it, but it was definitely a a, a big piece of the time. Maybe this happened even before that the Jordan Love thing. But the Jordan Love thing was a flashpoint moment. And then things didn't really get much better after that. They lost in the in the uh, conference championship game. Um, and obviously now, to add insult to injury, you're not giving me the money that I think I deserve and that everyone else knows that I deserve. Um, so I understand his frustration. Him being petty, you know his pettiness. 
it's kind of like a gift and a curse. It is, it is, you know, gotten gotten him to this high level of competition and uh, caliber of quarterback, but it's probably also soured relationships that he's had. He's so petty. He cut his own parents out of his life. That's Aaron Rodgers is so good at football that his brother won the Bachelorette. That's how good at football Aaron Rodgers is. <laughs> it just seeped over into the other jeans. <laughs> like here you go. <laughs> he, um, yeah, but I. So I'm a, I'm on the side that like, and I want to make sure like this, like the, the listeners know this is different than Deshaun Watson. I didn't think Deshaun Watson would get traded because Deshaun Watson had no leverage, and there was no reason compelling the, the Texans to trade him. I don't think the Packers are going to trade Aaron Rodgers because. I think Aaron Rodgers still wants to be there deep down, provided that the Packers do right by him. I agree with you. The situations are very different. Aaron Rodgers is 38. Deshaun Watson is, what, 25? Aaron Rodgers has made $200 million and could host Jeopardy tomorrow if he wanted to and make $10 million for the next 20 years. Deshaun Watson has done none of those things. And Deshaun Watson's contract hasn't kicked in yet. Yes. It's totally different situations. Aaron Rodgers holds all the leverage because he could legitimately walk away and Literally. walk right into the Hall of Fame. If he's done today, he's in the Hall of Fame. There's there's nothing more he has to prove. Like, yes, getting another Super Bowl would sweeten uh, his legacy. Um, but he's in the Hall of Fame regardless. There's, there, there's nothing else he has to do as an individual or as part of the Packers to to go into the Hall of Fame. It's just it would sweeten, sweeten his legacy um, if he could get another um, uh, Lombardi trophy. So I disagree with you. I think if he walked away, he'd be considered more of a legend than in the NFL community. If he said, you know what? You guys treat me like garbage. We're not going to let the owners and front office push the players around anymore. We're taking the power back. I think he would be remembered more fondly for leaving now than if he won the Super Bowl. Everyone already knows he's an all-time great. One of the five best evers. This would cement his legacy for a player empowerment more than anything else, I think. Perhaps, but I think I disagree with you in terms of um, having his le- legacy being held in a favorable light. I think the media would kill him. They killed the Packers brass too, but they 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 killed Aaron Rodgers. I, I think Aaron Rodgers uh, to a lot of the media is seen exactly how you described him: petty, uh, something not that personable at times. Like he uh, willing to just be all in just dialed in to the detriment of his relationships with other people although he's had great relationships with with players and obviously has a great relationship with uh pat mcafee he's on his show all the time but i think the media would kill him they killed the packers brass too more because they say how can you let a legend leave like this but i think they'd really get on aaron Rodgers' case and they'd probably start talking about the shortcomings of only getting that one super bowl i think they wouldn't I think the media would be on his side a thousand percent in this new climate of player empowerment and players taking the power back with all the guys in the NBA do. I think they would say the Packers didn't want him anymore. They drafted someone in the first round to push him out the door. And he said, you know what? If he's so good, play him now. I think they would understand that and that he would be looked at as the hero in the story. The Packers were the villain. Another reason why I think the media would get on him is because he just had an MVP season, and I would feel like they would feel like he's robbing the fans of seeing some more good years. We could see Aaron Rodgers for another two, three years playing at a high level. We see Brady playing now, who is not even at this, at an MVP level. 
But we can see, imagine if we can see Aaron Rodgers for another four years playing at this level. I think I think the media would slam him and say that his pettiness cost him possibly another Super Bowl and 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 a, a way to pad his stats as an all-time great, even though he's already an all-time great. It's not the media that would say that. It's Skip Bayless that would say that because he's a scumbag, okay? The rest of the media would understand and be a reasonable person. Skip Bayless is the only one that's already writing that stuff down. He's listening right now like, who well, I can't wait to call Aaron Rodgers those things tomorrow. That's 100% going to happen. If Skip is listening to our podcast, I would be so happy. Skip, we want you on the show, please, if you could ever find 30 seconds. But not for Zoom. I want to see you in person. <laughs> Talk to these hands, son. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so That's a joke. <laughs> that's a joke. We'll see. Uh, there's been talk that the Packers, that the San Francisco 49ers could offer up number three and some players to Green Bay to get this done. So it would be trading three first-round picks, which is how many picks the 49ers had to give to get to number three, and then Nick Bosa. If you're San Fran, would you give up three first-round picks and Nick Bosa for Aaron Rodgers, who's 38 years old? I would do that 10 times out of 10 if I'm San Fran. I would not. I would do it. I would definitely give up the three picks and Nick Bosa's one knee for Aaron Rodgers. Definitely. So I would not because he's 38 years old. But the other reason I would not, we just talked about how petty Aaron Rodgers is. And I saw this online, so I can't say I thought it up, but it was so good I had to say it right now. The most Aaron Rodgers thing ever would be to have San Fran make that trade, him show up to training camp, and then retire immediately to pay them back for not drafting him 18 years ago. He wouldn't do that. I don't think he'd do that. You know what I think he would Because that would just be... Amazing. The worst thing. No, I would I would hate that. I, w- I would really... Aaron Rodgers is my favorite quarterback of all time, and I would honestly really look at him differently if he did that. I think what he would do, on the contrary, is play his butt off, win an MVP, win a Super Bowl, and then tell the York family, look at what you could have had 20 years ago, and then I retire. Was- i like my option better it is the funniest thing that could ever happen (laughs) if he was like you know what trade for me he shows up to the press conference and there's like you guys should have done it 18 years ago and then retired that would be the greatest moment in sports history i don't care (laughs) what anybody says he's definitely getting sued though for sure for what you can retire no but that would probably be like a bad faith sort of negotiate bad faith negotiation knowing that you're going to retire but still, you know, not telling them that why you're getting traded. I think, I think they'd sue him. I'm not sure if they'd, sure if they'd be successful, but I think they'd definitely, definitely put a claim in with him for if sure. A- if Andrew Luck can retire eight days before the season starts, Aaron Rodgers can retire whenever he wants. Okay. But the Luck thing was different. He was on the same team. Uh, you know, he was drafted by that team. I think it's a little different. There was no. I don't think Luck had any ill will towards towards the Colts. I think it would look it would look kind of weird if Aaron Rodgers did that. As funny as it would be, but like <laughs> I think you're coming don't. around. That's a great idea. You're coming around <laughs> to it. I know you are. <laughs> it would be it would be funny, but I think it'd be just horrific for execs everywhere. And like I think they'd definitely definitely try to get a you know try to sue him or 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 or, or, or sue the Packers or something. Like I <laughs> I think there'd be it'd get messy, man. Peyton Manning is my favorite quarterback of all time. I think he's the best quarterback of all time. And if Aaron Rodgers did that, he'd be number one in my books. <laughs> I have a dog named Peyton Manning who is 12 years old. 
I would change his name to Aaron Rodgers tomorrow if that happened. It'd be the best thing of all time. I would never get over how funny that would be. I might It'd have be, a heart attack laughing. It would be funny you calling your dog Aaron Rodgers every time you called your dog. <laughs> that would be funny. It might have to happen, man. It might have to happen if he doesn't. It'd be the best. So you think three first-round picks for a 38-year-old quarterback, quarterback is not too much? For Aaron Rodgers, is not too much. I'll qualify it by saying for 38-year-old Aaron Rodgers, I do not think that's too much, no. If you were Atlanta, would you do Matt Ryan at number four for Aaron Rodgers? Uh, Yeah. Why not? I don't know. They don't know what they're doing with the number four pick anyway, so <laughs> they don't want it. They've been trying to get rid of that thing for, for months. I think the most likely scenario, if he gets traded, it'll have to be tonight. If it's past tonight, he's not going, I don't think. So, Las, Las Vegas, Denver, that's it. Those are the two teams, I think, right? Well, the Rams are out of the running now because we apparently want to give uh, Stafford an extension. So They would trade Stafford for thing is, the Packers don't want a quarterback back in the deal. Right, they have Jordan Love. Yeah. yeah. Who's going to be the MVP this year, apparently. So, congratulations. Hey, speaking of petty and a chip on your shoulder, Jordan Love probably has a big Dorito-sized chip on his shoulder right now. With all the flack that he's getting for something that he didn't cause. So, you remember last offseason, I loved Jordan Love. Yeah, I wanted did. him to succeed so badly. And now I want him to fail, and I feel so bad about it. Why? Why would you want the kid to fail? Because of Aaron Rodgers. Because the Packers pushed him out the door. If they, if he moves, if Aaron Rodgers leaves, and Jordan loves the top five quarterback, the Packers look smart. Everything's forgiven by the fans. I don't want these execs to be forgiven. Um, I see what you're saying. I I don't know if I'd go as far as saying I want an innocent party Jordan Love to fail, but I. I don't, first of all, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to get traded. I think you're right. If Aaron Rodgers is going to get traded, it has to be, has to be tonight because everyone's holding on to those 22, uh, those 2022 uh, draft picks. And I don't think it's going to happen tonight. I think this is a salvageable. Pay Aaron Rodgers whatever he wants. Give him all the latitude in that organization. If you want to make him front office, if he wants to be front office after, if he, if he doesn't want to come into OTAs and all the other, other stuff, let him do it. Just give him what he wants. Give him the keys to the castle and just put this thing to bed for the next few years. That's all he, he just wants that. He just wants respect. Okay, I'm going to end it here on this. Is Aaron Rodgers a Packer in 2022 for the next season? Is he a Packer on opening day next season? Is he the Packer starting quarterback? Yes. I'm saying a hard no. He is not the Packer starting quarterback next year. But I want you, I want you to qualify what you're saying. Just an elaborate. Are you are you saying he's retiring, or are you saying he's playing for another team? You have to take a stance. I am saying he will not be on the team if they don't trade him tonight. He will sit out. He will not play for the Packers again. That's what I'm saying. So he he's not. Never... He's not even going to be here this this upcoming season on the Packers. He will not play for the Packers again. He's done in the Packers. The last game we saw from him was against Tampa. That's it. Hundred percent. He's done. He cut his parents out. You think he's scared to cut a franchise out, bro? No, I don't think he's scared to do it. He has, like we, like we both said, like we agree, he has all the leverage here. I don't think he's scared at all. He's chilling right now. He made a lot his, of money. His girlfriend's, a, his fiance's a movie star. Like he can do whatever he wants. He's got all the money in the world. He's good. Yeah, I, yeah. But so he had, he made a lot of money. So Legacy cemented. The issue is, I think the pettiness is not not the pettiness. His competitive drive is not going to allow him 
to retire or to stop playing and lose these years that he is on borrowed time with, I think he's going to want to play. And I think he's really going to want to show the Packers that he can play. I would be, I think this would be one of the biggest shocks in sports history if they trade Aaron Rodgers. And if he doesn't come back, either or. If he does not play for the for the for the Packers next year, uh take your burrito lunch back. It's it's possible. thank you. It's possible <laughs> that I think it could be the Carson Palmer situation where after six games next year and Rogers hasn't showed up, they trade him. That's possible. <laughs> but I I would be one thousand percent surprised. Unless Rogers comes out next week and says, No, that's not true. What Adam Schefter said isn't true. If he would have said it by now. If what's reported is true, he'll never play with the Packers again. That's over. Their relationship is too severed. What Adam Schefter said, Aaron Rodgers would have put would have kiboshed that by now. It's 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 too specific. It's too damaging. Rodgers would have put a, a kibosh on it, or the Packers brass would have come out with a statement already. I think it's very true what's happened and what's been reported, but um I think he plays for the Packers next year. If he was on the if he was on the downturn and struggling, then yeah, maybe I say he hangs up, he hung it up. But I think the difference with another difference with the Carson Palmer situation is that it was Cincy. I'd have no problem sitting out with Cincy. That was not a <laughs> that's not a, a, a well-run organization at all. This is this is such a unique uh, uh, fan base, it's such a unique franchise, um, one of the most recognized franchises uh you know in north america i i think i'd be really surprised if aaron Rodgers said he's not playing for his team anymore even even brett Favre wanted to come back i don't know man i i think aaron Rodgers is so petty and that when a relationship is over you know it's over and nothing you can say can fix this aaron Rodgers was cheated on they brought they brought the they brought the new girl in the house and had them live together for the last six months every meeting he said the new girlfriend sitting beside him <laughs> every lunch. The girlfriend's right there. You think he's like, all right, that's fine. It's a slap in the face. There's no fix to this relationship. See, I don't know if I go that far. I think, you know, there's a little bit of interest that was shown. So yeah, it's not a hundred percent. She's in the building. You can't the, have two up. wives. That's no, the rule. <laughs> so Webb and I are going to disagree about Aaron Rodgers, but what we agree on is our interview coming up is amazing. We have Alan Sliwa from Lakers Talk. He's the Lakers pre and post game host. Follow him on Twitter at Alan Sliwa. He is, is he the number one Lakers guy in the business web? We're all number one. But Alan Sliwa is way up there. Um, you know, he's tied with a couple others probably, but I would say he's number one on the radio. So everyone, uh, that interview is coming up right now. Thank you so much. Okay, we have an amazing guest on today, Alan Sliwa, from basically everything Lakers related. He hosts the pregame and postgame for ESPN Radio Los Angeles. He is the number one guy to talk to about the Lakers. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Alan. We really appreciate it. Of course, guys. Of course. Appreciate you guys having me on. Let's get right to it. The Lakers in 2021. How does this mm-hmm. roster compare to the 2020 team that won the title? Um. You know, it, it's kind of funny. A lot of times when you win an NBA championship, you really just kind of roll the ball back out and everybody runs it again. And that's not the case with this Lakers team. I, I think they have um, – I think they got more talent than they had last season. Uh, the question is just going to become, once the playoffs start, what's it all going to look like? You 
you got more talent, but you have less experience. You have less championships. Let's put it that way. Championship pedigree. You know, when you lose Rondo and Danny Green and JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, you got a ton of veterans that um, understood what it took to win. They've been in a ton of battles, deep playoff runs, won championships, lost championships. So this team is lacking more of that, but it's a better team. Uh, Dennis Schroeder and Montrezl Harrell are better players. Um, THT and Kyle Kuzma and some of these other role players have another year under their belt. Andre Drummond is a beast. Um, so I, I think you go up and down the roster. I think the roster is better, but still some, you know, battle tested moments here that you're going to get from some of the new players on the roster that weren't there last season. Yeah, those are some, some great points. You know what? If you were to ask me what I think about how this team stacks up to last year, honestly, it feels smaller right now. The team feels smaller so last year i was very much so uh bullish about the lakers size differential between them and the rest of the league dwight howard javel uh ad they seemed to they towered over everyone and they could just dominate the glass this year although the team's more talented um it feels different like you said and 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 i love trez but he's only six seven um so that it just seems like a smaller team, and and Marcus Saul, you know, is he's he's a big guy, but not as much as a, of an athletic rebounder as Dwight was. Um, so it, it feels a little smaller, albeit more talented. Um, it feels like a rejuvenated team, a quicker team, uh, uh, a younger team, and and I was very excited when this roster was put together. I couldn't believe the players that Lake that the Lakers were able to get, especially Trez. That came out of nowhere, and. Um, yeah, so I I just want to see if they can they can dominate inside like they did last year. I know like uh, with Drummond especially. Oh man, like Lakers got him for next to nothing, and 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 it was unbelievable that the Lakers were even able to get him at this point in the season with for for such uh, elite talent on the glass. Just crazy. And it's a fair it's a fair question, right? Because there is no guarantee that the I, I get this a lot in the post game show or when Laker fans bring up stuff, they, but they typically will say, I prefer, you know, when it was Dwight and JaVale instead of Marcus all and Montrezl Harrell. And then, you know, I'd always emphasize, I think the Lakers are going to address that need that they have for size. And they ended up doing that with, uh, with Andre Drummond, but it's a different type of size. So um, I still think the Lakers, I, I still think one of the advantages that they will have is they got so many bigs that they have Anthony Davis that could play the five that obviously they got the talent that they have, but it's not like I can sit here and say, oh, well, these last couple of playoff runs with this exact team, they did it because they haven't done it. So I think that part's going to be obviously a little bit unique. It's going to be a little bit different, but I think ultimately for the Lakers, and I know this is, we hear this so much and it probably gets old. Um, a healthy Lakers team is going to be the most important thing. And I don't think we're too far away from getting LeBron back. And, and hopefully the Lakers, you know, obviously a perfect position here timing-wise to, to try to go for that back-to-back. Honestly, the perfect segue right there, because LeBron is coming back, apparently, hopefully later this week. How does the how does the lineup look like when LeBron's back? Do you have to incorporate Drummond now? Drummond, AD, and LeBron, that's a lot of size. How do they make this work? Well, I, I think, you know, one of one of the beauties with a player like LeBron James, I, th- I think there's, you know, times where you, you might have question marks with certain athletes or certain specific players and say, hey, you know, is this going to work? And does this happen? 
if if the three of us and grab one more of your friends and go get LeBron James, you'll figure it out. You'll figure out a way to make us competitive. So I think that's that's kind of the, what makes LeBron so special. It's that this guy, um, he knows how to – he's not a player that's just about scoring or he's just about facilitating. He's about everything. So I think, you know, I, I think sometimes it's exaggerated a little bit of – or not exaggerated, but I think it's it's brought up too often, in my opinion, of, well, where's the chemistry and how is this going to work and – you know, now you're trying to incorporate Andre Drummond or you're trying to incorporate this guy or that guy. To be honest, I don't, I don't pay as much attention to any of that just because it's LeBron James. And maybe Anthony Davis can take some time for him to adjust. Maybe Dennis Schroeder will take him a little time to adjust. Maybe Montrezl Harrell. Go down the list of some of these Laker players. But with LeBron, uh, that's the glue that always seems to make everything work. Honestly, Alan, I've seen Webb play basketball and even LeBron couldn't save him. That's just 100% accurate. Uh, you've seen who, uh, you know, yeah. listen, the guy's got a good jumper. His first step is as good as I've ever seen. Um, he's just got to, right now, it's just the free throws. He's just got to start hitting his free throws. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the save. Um, <laughs> I I definitely can appreciate what you're, what you're saying. Um, there are a lot of egos that are going to have to be managed in that locker room once uh, LeBron comes back because it's been, you know, what, six weeks since he's been out. Um, yeah, like guys like Marcus Gasol have already sort of spoken up and 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 voiced their displeasure. Um, it's gonna be Kuzma who who got a lot of usage, who's gonna have, probably have to sacrifice some touches now and, and some minutes. Uh, Trez, I don't know what's gonna happen to him. He might get lost in the in, in the shuffle. Um, it's just gonna be really interesting to see because I think the Lakers team is the roster is deeper than people sort of appreciate. And, and we're going to see that reflected, especially with one of my favorite midseason signings this year, uh, Ben McLemore, who I think has been very good, underutilized, and, and, and you know, he's been a real steal, uh, really transformed his game uh, since being drafted uh, out of Kansas years ago. But, yeah, so I agree with you totally that everyone's just going to have to put their nose down and just get this job done. I think I think if you if you sign with the Lakers and you sign with LeBron James, um, the the expectations are very simple. It's only about winning a championship. So, and by the way, I feel for a guy like Marcus All came on the Lakers, thought he's got the starting gig, um, maybe churned down other offers to get an opportunity like this, go compete for another championship. But that's part of the sacrifice. I mean, um, you know, I'll, I'll say that Rondo and Dwight Howard and there were other players that sacrifice to come play for the Lakers to go chase a ring they won the ring and guy like a guy like Rondo went out and you know got another contract because of it so I think this is kind of part of the entire scheme of things in the big in the big uh, scheme of things if you're going to play with LeBron you're going to play for the Lakers you know you're competing for a championship and to win a championship guys gotta sacrifice Blake Griffin's gonna do it in Brooklyn right now I mean I could go uh, Andre Drummond obviously um I guess Andre Drummond, not the best example because uh, he's obviously in that starting role. But to to win a championship, you need guys to sacrifice. I, I don't think this is any different than any other championship runs. Okay, so I think the Lakers are the likely title winners this year. But going forward, they they are in some luxury cap hell. They're twenty mm-hmm. almost twenty eight million dollars over right now. How do you see them working this out this offseason? It's a good question. I've been asked that question before. And to be honest with you, 
I, I don't know how much of a concern that is. I know that THT is going to be owed some money. I know guys like Alex Caruso are going to be owed some money. Um, Andre Drummond expiring contract. Montrez Harrell's on a player option. I mean, most likely, I got to imagine Montrez Montrez gets some more money in the off season. Um, the reason why I say I'm not too worried about it, a couple reasons. Number one, your foundation is there. LeBron and Anthony Davis are there. Um, you know, of course, Kyle Kuzma is going to be starting his contract. I know Dennis Schroeder could easily walk and go play somewhere else. But if you got your your main pieces, you'll figure it out from there. But I think even more importantly than that, you got a shot in the next couple of months to go back to back. And when you're in this kind of uh, finals uh, championship run and kind of have this opportunity to do what you're doing here, it's really, really tough, in my opinion, to pay too close attention to, you know, what next season is going to look like or what could happen next season. I think the Lakers are in a great spot. And that's not me trying to dodge the question, but I'm being honest. Like, think about this. You three years ago, this team was irrelevant in the NBA. And here they are now, a chance to go back to back. Um, and like you just said, you mentioned that you think they're the team that uh, is the favorites to win the entire thing. So the the off season will come when it comes, and I'm not I'm not too worried about Rob Palenka and the rest of the front office figuring out what they need to do, knowing that LeBron and AD are locked in long term. Sorry, uh, I was on mute. Just to uh, sort of touch on both of your points, um, I definitely think the Lakers are the title favorite. Uh, I I don't think the Clippers are as strong as everyone else feels. Like everyone else is really a lot of people are bullish on the Clippers and the Jazz. The Clippers don't scare scare me as much as they as they uh, did last year. Uh, maybe it's because of what I saw what happened uh, last year. The Jazz to me are a really 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 good regular season team. Uh, deadly from behind the arc. I don't know if that's going to carry over to a seven game series and what happens when it doesn't. I mean, they have they have good players. They have Spider. They have uh, Conley. They have Bogey, Joe Ingles. The list goes on. Gobert, obviously, um, but the threats aren't really there. I'm more worried about, to be honest, Brooklyn than I am the Clippers. And that's assuming Brooklyn even makes the finals. They're not the healthiest. But um, yeah, I'm not too worried about the Lakers' cap situation either. Like the Lakers find ways to get it done with LeBron there, with AD there. Guys will want to sign. Guys will hopefully take uh, the sort of wink-wink deals, maybe get like a back-ended uh, uh, contract. Who knows? But guys will flock to the Lakers now. It's not like before when the Lakers were trying to get uh, Melo and, and, and LaMarcus Aldridge and LeBron previously, Dwight Howard, like trying to re-sign him previously, uh, you know, almost a decade ago. It's, it's, a different, it's a different regime now. So I'm, I'm very confident in the front office uh, the coaching staff and and the roster that they're going to get it done and and like you said this is a ways away we still have the playoffs to focus on and and health of the team yeah I, I you know I, I'll I'll just say one more point on this I mean as far as the toughest competition for the Lakers um, Utah and Phoenix have the two best records in the West but I think they've also been the healthiest I don't think they're the two best teams in the Western Conference. Um, I think it's important for both of those teams to try to get home court. And, you know, I, I think they're doing what they need to do. I think Clippers and the Lakers are the two best teams in the Western Conference. Clippers can put up a fight. I, I, I definitely think they can, they can make it a tough series, but I'll take Lakers in a seven game set. And the, you're right. There's, you know, there's always going to be this unanswered question for the Clippers until 
it happens until they're and, and by the way, Lakers and Clippers could face each other in the first round. That could very easily happen. I mean, Lakers it could be three six or Denver could surpass uh Clippers and it could be four five matchup. So it might be inevitable this year. We might get Lakers Clippers no matter what. We might get them in the first round. Um, and if that is the case, I had somebody tell me yesterday that that might give Clippers a better shot if they get them in the first round, not to give the Lakers, you know, too much time to start gelling and everything else. But uh, nonetheless, um, I would be surprised if it's not Lakers Nets in the finals. And I don't see another scenario playing out unless both teams don't obviously have their squad together. Yeah. And, and, I'm not sure if the person you're referring to is Trevor Lane. I heard uh, I heard the pod yesterday that you guys recorded. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm not sure if it was him, but I, you know, it was uh, it was it was another another uh, dude I do the show with the name Travis Rogers, and Travis okay. was trying to make the case that like if they did play each other, it's probably better for the Clippers to play him earlier earlier than later. And I, I understand the point he was making. The point I was trying to make is it's too good of a matchup to get in the first round. Like it should not be the first round matchup, but if it is, then it is. And, and I, I don't know for me. So I totally get it. Like, especially with LeBron potentially coming back this, uh, this weekend, if not early next week, if he doesn't come back this weekend, you want him and, and AD to really sort of get a lot of games under their feet before you get into the first round. You want to get maybe a tune up matchup. He'd, probably want to avoid the Clippers first round. I agree with that um, wholeheartedly. But um, I I think Lakers can get it done. I think that, you know, as long as the Lakers can really hit on some key points, control the glass, hit those threes, like Stu Lance points out, um, get to that magic number, and just, you know, just play some defense and just play the, the bubble ball that we were playing last year. Like, I think they can definitely do it. Competition will definitely be tougher this time around, but uh, but we'll see. That's what makes it exciting. It's you got you got more teams, I think, this year that got a shot than last season. I'm just gonna say this really quick. I think Brooklyn gets. I think Brooklyn doesn't get out of the East. I think Philadelphia beats them. It might be unpopular. Um, I just think they can't no, I, stop Embiid inside. I I think uh, I don't think it's a crazy. You know, I I don't think it's this. Oh my gosh, absolutely not. What are you thinking? I just think that if the Nets are healthy. It's not going to be just, you know, this scoring punch and everything else. It's one thing Philly hasn't doesn't have is they don't have a ton of guys that have been there, have done it before. KD has been there. He's done it. Kyrie has hit arguably one of the biggest shots in the NBA finals. James Harden has led teams and, you know, had a chance to beat that, that Golden State Warriors team with Kevin Durant. They were a game away from doing it. And, and he's been in that he's been battle tested in the playoffs for a number of years. Um, I think other than talent, those three players, I think there's also an incredible amount of playoff experience that those guys have that Philly just doesn't have. So Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, what Philly is building. I think they're so much more dangerous two years from now than today, even though they're still dangerous today. Um, but I, I've, I've heard people say it. I've heard people say, well, how are you going to stop Embiid? And, you know, I, I get that. And they, they actually play defense and they get stops. But, uh, I, let's put it this way. I'd be, I'd be much more surprised if Philly won than if Brooklyn won. I agree with that. My question for Philly is who's the third scorer? Like you have Embiid, you have Tobias Harris who have been phenomenal and Ben Simmons, you know, candidate for defensive player of the year, but who's that third scorer? Like you mentioned the three headed monster in Brooklyn. Uh, Katie, 
Harden and, and, and Kyrie. Kyrie's like the third man. That is crazy depth. Top heavy, but still, for a scoring threat. Who's who's going to be a third scorer? Shake Milton. Ah, okay. <laughs> okay. Touche. Well, they'll have to do it by committee. So that, that's that's definitely the case. It's uh, they'll have to do it by committee. But that it'd be a fun it'd be a fun series to watch. Just don't think Philly's there. You know, I just don't think Philly's there yet. They need they need to get to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. Have a long battle versus Brooklyn. Get that under their belt, and then maybe next year that or the following year could be their year. But I, I feel like you usually got to go through those. Yeah, that's fair. I have, I have one short question for you, or maybe a short response. Um. I know that you were really down on, on the Lakers' loss last night to the Wiz. I wasn't that down on it because um, I think the Wiz have been surging. Uh, I was more disappointed in, in the performance against Orlando and the, the meltdown against Dallas on Saturday. But And I think you talked about it a little bit um, on your podcast recently. How do you feel with the Lakers' performance without LeBron over the past, after the past couple weeks? And how do you feel with LeBron coming, uh, coming back. So, so, so are you concerned about how the Lakers have looked and do you sort of feel a comfort knowing that LeBron's coming back and, you know, do you think they'll, they'll write the ship before the playoffs? I never have concern with the Lakers. I think, you know, concern is if, if LeBron's out and he's not coming back, then it's like, okay, well, we don't, we're not even concerned about that because then it's a wrap. There is no, you know, obviously they're not going for an NBA championship. Right. It's not concern. It's more, I, I had higher expectations of these last four games and they're not meeting any of those expectations because they were playing good basketball before Anthony Davis came back. They were playing good basketball without LeBron James. And I'm not saying they're going out there and beating teams by 30, but they're playing manageable basketball. There's good team basketball. They got to depend on each other. A lot of different guys are stepping up. Anthony Davis has been back for four games and I understand that it's kind of a ramp up for him. And it's not, I'm not pointing the finger at AD I just think as a team, especially these last couple of games um, and that second game against the Dallas Mavericks, they're too good to have long stretches where they're, you know, uh, they're playing awful on the defensive side and they can't get a stop. They're too good and too talented to keep falling into the trap of taking way too many threes and not getting the ball into the into the post more trying to get to the free throw. Like I feel like they're shooting their, their, their selves in the foot. And that's what I feel like when I do a post game show, like I did yesterday, the loss to the Washington wizards, the world's not going to end, but I'm just watching the game and I'm like, no, this team is better than the way they're performing. So I'm disappointed in how they're losing these games. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Alan. We appreciate it in ways you could never understand. How can people go find your work? All right, on Twitter, at Alan Sliwa, and then uh, Instagram as well. And then on uh, on YouTube, Lakers Talk with uh, with Alan Sliwa. And I appreciate you guys having me on the show. It was fun. I always enjoy talking Lakers basketball. Thanks a lot, Alan. You're the best. Okay, so thanks again to Alan Sliwa for coming on the show. Please follow him at Alan Sliwa on Twitter, Instagram. Look for his pre- and post-game talks on ESPN Los Angeles Radio. Some of the best work in the business. Please follow us on Twitter at RookiePhenoms, Instagram, Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. We now are on Verbal. We're making big moves. We have mentioned this before, but we are on the Undrafted Sports Network now. So 
So please go to UndraftedSports.com and check out some of the new content there. They're putting up new podcasts every day. It's really exciting what's going on. I really hope you guys enjoyed the mock draft, the draft coverage, the Aaron Rodgers talk, and of course the interview with Alan Sliwa. We'll be back next week breaking down the entire draft. We'll have draft winners and losers, draft grades for every team. Look forward to that. We're going to come hot and heavy next week with content. Thank you for listening. Have a great night. <laughs>